0: What's up, Conrad? Gee, I like your shirt today. What's going on tomorrow? Well, I'm
1: wearing my, I guess this is technically like a Hawaiian Michigan shirt in some I, ways. I, it looks like a formal, semi formal Michigan shirt. I like that. I've got my ugly Michigan sweater on, my Christmas sweater.
0: Be- I was going to say beautiful Michigan Christmas sweater. Yeah. And we're recording this actually the day before Michigan's first, well, not first, but the. Oh, definitely not first. No, well, I think they're the first game of this Frozen Four, is what I was going to say. That's
1: correct. First game of the Frozen Four, Michigan. You know, the March Madness is just finished up. Did did you guys do an office pool on this, or can we not talk about that on the radio? We did an podcast? office pool. We did yeah, an we office did pool. I did not win. I have won every year, which makes me look like a complete jerk. Rigged, except for this year, I lost this year. Well, you spend
0: that, your team is spending their day working. You're spending your day studying the intricacies of college right. basketball. Right. Did you happen to see, run across uh, Tech Dirt did a March Madness bracket? That yeah, this was, was a legal Mark Madness, right? Yes. It was Tell for the more. most misunderstood legal concepts. And uh, check it out. We'll put it in the show notes. I thought it was super fun. I was actually very disappointed. I actually reached out to them to say that I was so disappointed that the Ninth Amendment was not included. One of my favorite misunderstood legal
1: concepts. But we'll save that conversation for another time. I think recently there are a lot of misunderstood legal concepts as it pertains to the Constitution. But I will leave – let's leave the politics there and move on. So what are we talking about today? So we've got new venture capital and old venture capital. We're going to talk a little bit about VC CallRail, our good friends at CallRail are in the news. And by the way, Guy, you and I haven't talked about this, but I would like to go deeper on CallRail as a substitute for CRM and intake management software. Sometime down the road, we'll do a podcast on that. We're going to go deep on marketing attribution. Should you trust your gut? There's a great article that came out from Rand Fishkin, and we're going to talk about that. And finally, as we go deeper on attribution, we're going to go through and talk about the top six provable... Attribution model keys. Music! Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice here on Legal Talk Network.
0: Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. It's been a couple weeks since we landed in your playlist. So, it's great to be back with you. All right, let's hit that news. In the news of new money, Link Squares benefits from the legal tech boom because they just got a fresh infusion of hundred million dollars. You doing work with Link Squares, Conrad? Nope, not at all. Not a. Yeah. It's a contract software. A lot in the contracts, but you know, I think worth checking out for folks, especially if you're in that space. More money keeps rolling in to Legal Tech. Not surprised there. Other new money is reported by our good friend, Bob Ambrosia at lawnext.com. Leap Legal Software acquires Wealth Council and Elder Council. Do
1: you hear that one? Yeah. So I mean, if you want to know what's going on in the Legal Tech world, it's Bob. Bob knows everything. He's been doing this forever. So it's a good place to keep up with what's going on. And as we as we kind of plan this new section, Bob's kind of our go-to source, right? He is. And also in some other news, if you haven't checked it out, Bob has launched a
0: tech directory, legal tech directory. You can find it at lawnext.com. Definitely check
1: that out. Super cool. Going to be a great resource as they continue to build out over there. We'll put a link to the show notes in that because that will that will be, I mean, from an unbiased perspective. Bob really has a good perspective on on all of this. And so that will be a great resource for all of you listening to the podcast. So we'll make sure we put that in the show notes as well.
0: And in the world of old money, Scorpion has a new old CEO. Conrad, what's going
1: on at Scorpion these days? Yeah. So Scorpion, big Scorpion, they brought their company's founder back into the CEO role. And I was kind of fascinated to see this. And, And I think honestly for... Those of you who are Scorpion clients, this is probably a really good thing. I can tell you that my interactions with Scorpion back in the day when they were just another agency were you know super positive, very customer-focused. We had a really solid relationship with a bunch of people over at Scorpion. And um, bringing him back in, I think that's good news for those of you who happen to be Scorpion clients. So there's, there's a positive angle on that. It's like the Steve Jobs return to Apple scenario. Wow, that is a huge plot at you you're throwing over to uh to him. That's that's great. There you go. Um so Rustin Kretz, back at the wheel at Scorpion, which can only mean it can only mean good things as they are, you know, it's, it's a venture-backed company. I've certainly watched, personally, I've watched kind of venture-backed companies take their eye off their customer ball. They tend to sometimes look more at their finances than, than at their customers. And so I think someone who, at least in my experience back in the day, they were a very customer-focused company, and I think that's a good step for them. Finally, our friends at CallRail have been doing a lot of
0: interesting things in the legal vertical. And in fact, well, we'll clue this in the show notes too, but they did um, a 2022 marketing outlook for law firms report, which I would tell folks to check out. And Conrad, they also have something going on with the future of Google Analytics
1: 4. Well, so this is going to be interesting. I am personally probably more interested in Google Analytics 4 and CallRail than anyone else in the industry. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But like the changes with GA4, and we're not going to get into that right now, but the changes with GA4 are really focused on privacy. CallRail is really focused on helping people identify individuals who are contacting a law firm and where those individuals came from and getting them through the funnel. So there is a inherent conflict between CallRail's mission and this move towards privacy with GA4. And frankly, we are individually working directly with CallRail on how to deal with that for the legal industry. Um, you know Rob, I, uh, VP of Martech, he is he's working directly with CallRail on how to respond to that. So that is going to be a fascinating thing. I think it's a really big deal. We're going to talk more and more about this uh, in the future. Uh, just as a a very, very gentle reminder, if you have an agency, your agency should be installing new Google Analytics on your site so your data doesn't disappear. Uh, I think it's July. It's either July or June of 23.
0: Yeah, and I would say not just install, but properly migrate from Universal yes. to this is
1: GA4. This is important. So we'll, we'll probably go deeper on this. Uh, we talked about this last week or last podcast episode. We'll talk about this tactically a lot more, but there's a lot of questions to be had out there, right? So there's a lot, a lot going on.
0: Awesome. And definitely check out that uh, marketing outlook for law firms, because there were a lot of interesting data points in there that were countered to a lot of the other reports that I've seen out in legal. So check that out.
1: And I think that might be because CallRail has a bit of a slightly different user base than what's typically polled, right? And so if you are a kind of hands-on do-it-yourselfer, this actually may be more relevant to you uh, than some of the other stuff that we see out there that's really survey-based. They're using a lot of their own data. So... um, I would add this to my must-read market research tools. We've got the Clio Trends Report. Wow, it almost feels like we're setting this up to talk about the Clio Trends Report. So read the Clio Legal Trends Report minute, and then also read this off piece. And with that, let's take a breath and a break.
0: Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads, CallRail tells you which channels drive your
1: best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free.
0: Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.
1: And now it's time for the Legal Trends Report Minute brought to you by Clio. Hey Guy, here's a fact about law firms with growing revenue they're 46% more likely to use client intake and client relationship management or CRM solutions. So we've talked a lot about CRM. We've got an episode on uh, CRM specifically. So let's add that podcast uh, CRM episode uh, in the show notes. Um, But client intake and CRM tools keep track of potential clients and help you make a great first impression. If you do it well, it's not a fire and forget solution. You have to use these tools. But for instance, online forms help you easily collect basic information relating to a client's matter rather than fielding calls and taking notes on a piece of paper. For more information on what law firms with growing revenue are doing differently than the rest, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com trends. And gee, you always spell this out, but I'm not going to spell out Clio if you can't spell Clio by now, either you need to go back and listen to more of our podcasts or or you can just use Google. This is very controversial because that's specifically highlighted in yellow in the rundown. I see that. I think that was maybe Adam put that in to try and make me spell a four-letter word, (laughs) Um, but you guys can figure it out. I promise you. You guys are smart. You went through law school.
0: All right. Speaking of keeping track of potential clients... Let's dive into attribution. So, Ran Fishkin of SparkToro wrote a post. How do we we really know Ran Fishkin?
1: Why do we know Ran Fishkin? Because he was the Wizard of Moz. He was the Wizard of Moz. And he was a guest on Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. He was a long time ago. Yeah. Super smart.
0: Very cool stuff he's doing at SparkToro. But he wrote a post that says that attribution is a boondoggle and instead you should trust your gut, especially... If you're a smaller or medium-sized business, you're not em- enterprise and you're not investing in a very expensive attribution system. And even the most expensive, fancy attribution systems still have limitations. And so don't lose the forest for the trees. Trust your gut because there's a lot of stuff happening in terms of marketing and business development, like word of mouth referrals and blah, 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 That's my interpretation of just... you. I don't want to put words in Rand's mouth, so you read it and decide for yourself what Rand has to say. But it made us want to dive deeper on
1: attribution. So my take on this, and I I think Rand is, as Rand frequently does, using a counter perspective to generate attention for Rand. It's also... Great marketer. Great marketer, right? (laughs) Great marketing. It it works. I'm, I'm not even saying that in a negative, but that is... That is fairly true here. He's also not a legal guy, right? So we need to read this in the vein of legal. And I think my, there's a couple of things that come out of this for me. In legal, there actually is in many cases, not all, but in many cases, a really linear progression from Google search to hiring a client, the software to actually automate the process of tracking someone through that entire cycle, even all the way down to revenue that is achievable. It does not have to be that expensive. We talked about call rail just a little bit ago. And so in many cases, like I use the, I I always use this example. You walk in on your spouse with the pool boy, you fire up Google and look for divorce lawyer. You make a, you click on the ad, you make a phone call, you hire the divorce lawyer. That's a fairly linear process, right? And it's often a one-off. It's very similar to criminal defense, DY, um, This can happen in personal injury. Like you are going to hire a lawyer right now. And a lot of that, a lot of the channels are very attributable. It doesn't mean they all are. And it doesn't mean that you might not have a big bucket of, I don't know, but some of this is extremely trackable. And why would you walk away from that? Right?
0: I agree. And, and my thing, which is, you know, kind of a hedge and, but attribution is just a tool, right? It has limitations. Knowing what the limitations are, are valuable, but kind of to your point, you can have an expert on, you can know, have a marketing expert. You can have Rand Fishkin working at your business. Now, one, you don't have Rand Fishkin working at your business. So Rand has a very experienced knowledge base to pull from. It's got very, uh, you know, amongst the most expert digital marketers out there. Uh, you don't have that. But
1: two, the other side of that coin is... Wait, is are that- you saying our our clients or our, our, our listeners may not be actually good at evaluating the marketing on their own? I am I am saying that. In fact, many
0: of those listeners probably responded to some of the surveys where lawyers acknowledge that they are not very good at doing it on their own. But in any event, it's a tool, right? And you need an expert or someone at least with some knowledge to actually interpret the data properly as well. Because this is this is and this goes, I think, to Rand's point. We expect the attribution systems to do too much heavy lifting, and we assume that they're working across the board. And they're not. They're limited. Even the most expensive ones, even the most fancy ones have their limits. And still, even with the most sophisticated fancy attribution system, having someone who can interpret the data and then make decisions, because that's the whole point of this, right? Is to, it's a tool that should inform your decision-making process about where you spend money, where you spend time, what's working, where clients are coming from. It still requires, you know, someone with some knowledge to be able to actually interpret that data. So I wouldn't throw out attribution, But I do think keeping some perspective uh, about it, it's important. And then the other thing is, is like, what level of sophistication do you need from your attribution system? And, you know, that's just like asking a question of like, which kind of hammer do you need to build your house? You know, if you get an air, you get an uh, air gun, an air nailer, um, there's some advantages to that. But there's certain places you're not going to use an air nailer on your trim molding, right? So uh, point, maybe you would. That's a bad example, perhaps. Wow! But- <laughs> wow. We got Bob
1: Via, the love child of Bob Via and uh, legal marketing, going on on this podcast. Right. Welcome, welcome to a a new, very, very small niche. Yes, very bad example, but I think the point that I'm- home improvement and legal marketing <laughs> you, the, you
0: need a tool that can help you understand some of this stuff. But the risk is this, and we'll talk about this when we go into the tactical segment of the show. You're blindly following the attribution, and the attrib- you got a last click attribution set up. And all of a sudden you're like, well, all of our, uh, clients. Okay. So I'm going to,
1: I'm going to interrupt you with a a question. Okay. What is last click attribution? What is first click attribution? And why is this so important to understand? Well, we're going to get into attribution models. Um, the short
0: version is which click is getting the credit for the potential client and client. Last click is the most recent one. First click is the first one that the system can find. But we're going to go, we'll talk about a little bit more about that. But the point is, is that if you don't have expertise in understanding what your attribution system is actually telling you, you can make some really misinformed decisions. And we've seen where it's like, oh, we deploy marketing resources in a totally different way based on what attribution is saying. And all of a sudden the phone stops ringing and it stops ringing because actually places you were spending time and money before were actually generating business for you but you didn't realize it because you misunderstood what
1: was going on with attribution wait did you just say dark social without saying dark social i did i was impl- okay I, you must have seen it in my eyes i could tell so i mean this is i i don't think the legal industry has talked about dark social yet so coming to you first from la legal market we're gonna talk about dark social Dark social, which sounds super sinister. I wrote a post on this and, and my people were like, you need to clarify that this is not some evil, evil thing. It it does, Star wars It does sound very kind of... Sith Lord dark social. Yes, yes. it is. This is not Sith Lord dark social. So what dark social is, is there's a lot of activity that you can do from a marketing perspective and um, to drive demand right? To drive the reason. And and crisp Video talks about this. They talk very often about, we don't want people to look for a car accident lawyer. We want them to look for you, right? And that's their whole perspective. Dark social is that at a, at a much grander scale where you're using and leveraging social media and the breadth and the the kind of network effect of social media to build out who you are. So you're generating demand for your brand or for your services. A lot of social is not trackable. So for example, you get a YouTube video that then gets shared within a Slack channel, right? It's pretty hard to actually try and put some attribution to. And a lot of the people who are doing a really great job with dark social, it's multiple touches to a very, very large audience, which makes it really, really hard. Even if you could track it, the attribution modeling around that is a nightmare. I think, Guy, I think we should talk more about Dark Social in an upcoming podcast, Dark Social in the Legal World. Cool. But I started out with saying, like, don't throw attribution modeling away. Having said that, there are some firms who are doing a ton of work on what I call Dark Social for legal kind of social media done right, where the attribution is impossible, definitionally impossible to actually track. And so I don't think we should lose sight of that. Well, we'll give our top six attribution model keys, but first, let's take a quick break. All right, and as we typically do, although Guy usually reads these, and I'm a listener, but I'm going to read this one out. This is a review coming to you from Page Pate via Apple Podcasts. Great insight and tips from industry pros. I highly recommend this podcast to solo and small firm lawyers looking to stay on top of legal marketing trends, which is why we're talking about things like dark social. The conversational style is easy to listen to, which is rare for legal marketing podcasts, in my experience. And these guys know what they're talking about. Thank you, guys, for putting so much effort into this project. It is a valuable service.
0: You know, I am very flattered, listeners. Uh, you can go look up Mr. Pate, but he is a phenomenal, nationally renowned expert attorney. And so, thank you so much for that wonderful review.
1: And thanks for listening. Yeah, keeps us going. All right, Gee. We just talked about how attribution is so difficult. And I think it is. In some cases it's easier, in some cases it's impossible. So we're going to go over the top 6 attribution model keys from Guy and Conrad. How do we think about attribution? Guy, what's your what's your your kind of leading tip on attribution modeling? Um
0: gosh, pick a model and just run with it. No, um I think <laughs>
1: Wow. Is that what you do with March Madness?
0: This is a very tricky subject for folks because, one, it can get very complicated. You know, you gave example linear attribution models. I mean, look, you want to track linear, just use the default last click, call it a day. That'll get your linear stuff. That'll get your search, click, call. And for some, some practice areas, that works, right? Well, I wouldn't even say that. For many client journeys, it works, right? Right. So for the linear client, this is the issue. The issue is, is you know, what is the bulk, the most exemplative journey that your clients are taking? If ninety nine percent of your clients are coming or searching for a lawyer through non brand search, click, call, hire, as Conrad mentioned, last click will do you just fine, right? If On the other hand, your clients are not finding you through a linear journey, such as through a referral, or here's the one I always use. Someone's in a car accident. They're in the hospital. Someone's family member starts being like, you know what? We might need to talk to a lawyer. They do a search. They find your paid search ad. They click on it. They come to your site. They're like, okay, I got the person's name. As they're discussing with the family, talking to a lawyer, maybe weeks or months later, they're like, hey, I I wanted to bring up so-and-so's name. And then the client eventually calls you and hires you. Does your pay-per-click get credit for that? Is that a referral source in your CRM? You'll have no idea. And this gets to the point about whether you want to call it dark social or whatever, but this is a huge limitation in the attribution. So that's my kind of, that's the, the example cases of the segue for some of the issues around attribution. I know I ranted there, so I apologize. No, it's
1: a good rant. I, can, I, can I pick up your rant baton and run with it? By model, model really means guess, right? It is a guesstimate of human behavior and that means it is very rarely accurate right and so what you're basically trying to do when you're when you're using some form of attribution modeling is to apply a guess of how humans actually behave and it is never going to be accurate right and there's you know first click and last click the thing that i used to work on was 40 40 20 where you give 40% to the first click and 40% to the last click and 20% gets split evenly across all the other impressions or clicks that happen like that's not how the human brain works. So they are bad, at best, guesstimates of human behavior. So you just have to understand that. Having said that, there's a lot of value in understanding how these things work together. I want to revisit our conversation, Guy, about how did you hear about us, right? You're you you, you you're still pushing the how did you hear
0: about us? Absolutely. I mean, if you go read Rand's post, there's some examples that are provided by um, Liam Maroney from uh, Notarize. But the whole point is, is that you still got to ask, call it like your fallback attribution. My point about that is, is that even if it's not perfect, right? Even if it's directional, the qualitative feedback you get from your actual potential clients and your actual clients has a lot of value and it will help inform your decision-making. So to me, it's just another way of doing attribution. There's trade-offs, right? The, the quantitative attribution modeling stuff has value, and so does the qualitative feedback from a how did you find us?
1: Yeah, this self I have I have evolved my thinking on the self-reported attribution modeling. I've heard plenty of stories about the how did you hear us question where they answer something that doesn't exist. Oh, I saw your billboard when you don't have a billboard, right? And so it's so frequently inaccurate, but, and this is the big but here, they're reporting on like, oh, I found you on Google. Uh, what Google? Google Local? Organic? LSAs? Ads? They don't know, right? And so that's also useless. For me, I think that your intake management software, your CRM system, you should have attribution modeling that looks at what you can automatically track through a really well set up reporting infrastructure. But you should also ask, the how did you hear about us and i i, I phrase it how did you hear about us this way and you'll get to the self-report attribution modeling with this question Hey, listen, we have a pretty strong reputation in the Greater Atlanta area. And I like to send a thank you note to people who have, you know, sent us referrals. Is there anyone I should send a thank you note on your behalf? And that will open up the question. Well, no, I haven't heard about you, but like I see your billboard every day when I drive to work or whatever it might be. So it's a great way of positioning yourself in a positive light. It's a great way of teasing out that question without looking like a craven, pathetic marketer. And so I am really, and as we talk about dark social, which by definition cannot be attributed, right, through these kind of automatic attribution modeling, this becomes really, really important, right? What else do you have? So
0: we talked about this ad nauseum, but let's, I think for the simplistic version, to me, the most simplistic version is, it's in the context of paid search, this idea of PPC linear attribution. So let's talk about how you actually set that up. What would you do? Most basic
1: version to track oh. linear client journeys. I'll give you the most basic version then I'll tell yeah. you I think this is insufficient. Okay? For many people, but the most basic version looks like this. Someone lands on your site through pay per click or they may they may call directly from that same kind of advertising network. They may So call, call tracking
0: number in your you. ad.
1: We have a call tracking number in our ad same call tracking number on your site, right? Because it all leads back to that same source. Uh, We can talk about number pools if you want, but that's, that's, you wanted the most basic. So we're going to go with most basic. That call tracking goes into call rail, right? And I'm doing this with a lot of my clients. And I just told you, I think this is insufficient, but if you are doing a small volume, right? This is the way to do this. You use call rail, right? And now I know that that phone call came from CallRail. In CallRail, and this means you have to change the way your intake people are doing their job, right? And the law firm is actually operating. But within CallRail, two things need to happen. One, your whomever answers that call needs to give that call a thumbs up or thumbs down. That's built into the CallRail infrastructure, right? And so you're manual reporting on what I will now call a intake qualified lead or right. what we Somebody has
0: to qualify the lead.
1: Someone's gotta qualify the lead. And here's the thing, you have to do that for every single lead. Even if it's a garbage, spammy, crappy call, you need to know that Google Ads is generating, 80% of the clicks on Google Ads are coming in as the uh, insurance adjusters looking for our phone number, right, like that's super important. So you have to look at every single one and you have thumbs up or thumbs down it. And then the next step on this for me, it's not that hard. You're using some matter management software when that consult turns into a client and you can go back into CallRail and you can manually tag this as a client. The problem with this is we now have two manual steps. And most of you, the people who are doing this manual data entry, you are underpaying, maybe you're not underpaying them, but they're not paid extremely well. They're not necessarily invested in the firm in the way that an owner should be. And that is okay. But that means that the challenge of getting that data back into that system is very, very real. But that's how I, sorry, there's a long-winded rant, but this is how I would go about handling attribution for a linear, simple pay-per-click model. Yep. Love it. What's next? This is one for me. I think you really have to use UTM codes and trackable phone numbers to differentiate between organic and local. And it's easy to do with UTM parameters on your uh, clicks from your GMB profile, now called GBP, Google Business Profile, back into your website. And you can use a tracking phone number, which was like a no-no for a long time, but that's kind of gone out the window. So like We can handle tracking phone numbers in your Google Business Profile.
0: Hugely important. We actually, I'll have to put this in the show notes. We actually have a uh, guide on how to implement this yourself.
1: Like This is like no-brainer, absolutely 100% click-through to Guy's Guide. If you don't have these broken out, this is the problem. The tactics that drive success in organic search and local search are very, very different right? And the reasons that you perform well are very, very different. Not entirely different, but very, very different.
0: Yeah. And understanding the, the share of voice between local and traditional organic, it's really, I, I was, the thing that always blows, it still blows my mind today, but how many people will call the tracking number right from the search result without ever even clicking through to your yeah. fancy
1: website? Yeah. And that's even better. <laughs> like, I don't want that right. click. I want the phone call. Yeah, exactly. So you have to differentiate those. out. And honestly, if you're using an agency that isn't doing this for you. Call Conrad. What do you, no, don't call us. Like this is just, call anybody else, right? <laughs> like, and, and this this goes down to the reporting. If you're not looking at your performance and looking at those as different channels from an attribution perspective, like you're not, you're yeah. not doing anything. A lot of missed opportunity there. How about what do you think about
0: some practice area specific attribution tips? What kind of trends do you see for personal injury or criminal defense or anything that might be specific to practice areas?
1: Well, so I think our whole shtick here needs to be filtered with respect to your practice area. I'll use I'll use two very different examples. DUI lawyer, right? I got a DUI last weekend. I'm probably going to hire a DUI lawyer on Monday. Like it is that linear path and it's a very short sales cycle, right? That's great if you're using kind of this simplistic linear attribution modeling, right? I think that's a, a good thing. Let me go on the other end of the extreme estate planning. The biggest problem estate planning lawyers face is people, everyone knows they should do this, but there's zero urgency. And so there's lots of hemming and hawing. No one really needs to pull the trigger until it's too late. And so the concept of dark social creating demand, like a nurture campaign on something like that, that's a very real thing. And so your practice area, to some extent, dictates the extent to which this kind of simplistic, automated, linear attribution modeling is appropriate, and to the extent that it's completely not, right? So that's one thing that I would really, really think about. Nice.
0: Yeah, and I tend to think about a less... I think your examples are totally valid. I I just tend to think about it more from like the target audience standpoint. Like, it's more about who you're trying to attract. And there's some, of course, there's some practice areas specificity to that. But maybe you don't want the people that are doing a non-brand DUI search click to call to sign up, right? Maybe you are more of a brand builder and a referral type of person. I'm not again, I'm not saying it, should, it shouldn't be an either or proposition anyway, but if your target audience tends to make a more meandering journey through the research and hiring process, you need a more sophisticated attribution model. And, and the other one that I wanted to just throw out there that really strikes me from a, it's like loosely attribution, but is the metric that you're optimizing to. That is very different by practice area. And the, and the most obvious one to me is is plaintiff's firms versus a lot of the other uh, direct to consumer practice areas. If you're a plaintiff's firm trying to optimize and do attribution for like return on ad spend, not a great idea because it just takes so long for those cases to matriculate and your attribution system is not going to help you. Um, We've talked about this before. In fact, I think we did a whole episode on this, but um, cost per acquisition of a new client or as Conrad talks about uh, cost of acquisition, the intake qualified lead, those are much
1: better metrics for certain practice areas. Well, and they're so hard to... So this is this is kind of my final point on this. The conversions that Google Analytics is really designed for are not the conversions that you think about as a law firm. The conversion for your law firm is a consultation. Right? Ideally, it's a client, but like ultimately, we're talking about consultations. What your marketing can deliver in terms of people sitting down who are interested in hiring you—none, none of the other shit matters, right? It just doesn't. Yeah. The problem is, especially with Google Analytics, Google Analytics is designed for looking at conversions online, and so there's all sorts of things that we've done to track leads. We can put conversions and goals, etc., form fill, text, chat phone call, right? Those are the things that we can report on as conversions, which really mean leads, which as you guys all know, because you've yelled at me for my career, the leads are garbage and you're right. The leads are garbage. So the things that are easily trackable as conversions in Google analytics and online, it's not the thing that you're looking at. It's not the thing that you're optimizing for in most cases. And so this is a 201, not a 101 message, but if you can start thinking about your consultations and ideally clients as opposed to form fill phone call text or chat, right? You're starting to think about your business in the right way. And by the way, you guys all want to think about it this way, but most agencies don't because it's difficult to actually report back on that, right? Yep. Exactly. Well one more that made you just made me
0: think about as we're running out of time here. We'll try to jam this one in, but is back to what our agencies are reporting on understanding brand versus non brand. That's a huge yeah. one. It's huge and paid. You know the classic example that you Conrad always bring up, or agencies selling back your own brand traffic to you, right? Like when ninety percent of telling your, you are, yeah, right, not even telling you. And so it's like they're just, you know. But you can look at this through organic. I think also from an attribution standpoint, it's very validating for folks that are like personal brand builders. If you see people searching on your name, and that is growing, that's a good indication that your brand is getting more awareness and attention. And so that's another just attribution
1: thing that you should be very mindful of and be and talking to your agency about brand versus non-brand. So this is, I mean, this is the sinister attribution model here. If you don't have access to your Google Ads account, you don't have any attribution modeling when it comes to the difference between brand and non-brand. And your agency very well might be selling you back your own brand traffic, pretending that it's car accident lawyer when they're really looking for Smith and Jones law. Mean. So now that we've insulted our industry, key. I think we should wrap up before someone kicks us off the air. Yes. So, dear listeners,
0: thank you once again for lending us your attention. If you want to engage with us, hashtag LHLM on all of the different social networks. And let us know how you found us. We'd love to hear how you originally found us, speaking of attribution. And leave us a rating or a review if you're willing. Thanks again to Mr. Pate for such a kind review. For Conrad and Gee, Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Until next time, take care. Go Blue. Go Blue. Thank you for
1: listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com.
0: Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, Join the Unbillable
1: Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such
0: as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join but requires a simple reservation. The link
1: to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at legaltalknetwork.com. We'll see you there.